And I recently yeah. learned that there is like an English candy shop in the valley. And now Ooh. that I have a car again, I'm like, I'm going. What is the, what is it? English sweets? I'm just picturing like C's candy, like it's, little chocolates. Oh, I, no. I, I mean, we, it's like we're talking and now it's fully a tangent. But I mean, it's okay. like dairy milk and Cadbury in general just taste different oh, coming from yeah. like the, it's oh, Scully loves richer the, loves in milk, ca- like Cadbury. more higher milk content, sure. most of the chocolate. But then also other kinds of fruity things like uh, wine gums, which just sounds weird, wine but it's gum. like it's like it's kind of like, like a, a Cabernet gum. I mean, it's not. Ex- a it sounds gum. like that. It's not exactly that, but they're kind of like gummy bears, just in more like sophisticated flavors or Interesting. something. Um, flake bars and Yorkie are yeah. it, it, the Brits are they love their candy. <laughs> yeah, um, they like their sweets. My very favorite thing. Sweets. Yes, and that's the thing they call it sweets, not candy. Sweets, sweets. <laughs> Hey Victoria. Oh, hey Chelsea. You know, um, you know what I'm, you know I'm really, really craving right now. What do you, you crave something? You crave? Things? I have a lot of cravings. Oh, what are you craving right? Right now? now? Yeah. A breath of fresh movie. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I think there's one left. Awesome. Yeah, we'll split it. That's the sound of opening. Though. Yeah. <laughs> That's Chocolate Buttons, but made by Cadbury. That's my How favorite. How whimsical. That's my favorite. Well, that's why there's so many so many sweets in the Harry Potter books. you got to have the yeah, sweets. Yeah, that's it exactly. Yeah. That's English culture right there. Chocolate is a frog. Yeah, yum. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> this is I a breath. just thinking about candy. No, can't. I'm hungry now. Yeah. Um, this is a Breath of Fresh movie, a weekly podcast where me, Victoria Harley. And me, Chelsea Pope. We watch a movie that neither one of us has ever seen before, and then we... Have a chat about it. Yeah. Chit chat. Yeah. Kit Kat. We might not talk about everything. But we'll talk about anything. Ding, ding, ding. Spoilers ahoy. That's right. That's right. So. Yeah. And uh, today's movie is the 1965 drama Ship of Fools when an eclectic group of passengers boards a cruise ship from Veracruz, Mexico to Germany. They form a microcosm of 1930s society. It's set in 1933. I should mention that. Yeah. Um, we can go through the cast in a bit. A checkpoint, though. Does that? Any- oh, I mean, we're not really. I don't think this no. is a big. People get on a boat. People get off the boat. That's right. And a couple of people don't get off the boat. Oh, or yeah. Or they do, but like in a. Well, one person comes off in a coffin. I guess if you're going into this kind of, really, really it's kind of white wanting to, in that way. yeah, it does feel kind of like uh, a more contained, less street, a less exuberant, a less a less exuberant, a little yeah. more, a little more. This is little, much sadder. Yeah, more restrained. It's very grounded. The acting is very. Uh, yeah, had a little bit of a, a, a little bit of a death of a salesman quality to the baseball player in particular. Oh, very much so. Yeah, there's yeah. very uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of regret and loss and. Uh, existential reflection. Yeah. So if you can't handle that, it's a lot of uh, <laughs> what is it? And and on we. Oh know? yeah. Yeah, a lot on ripping with on we. Yeah, I love that word. Yeah, Vivian Lee Learned too. It. Yeah, we've got on Viv- we and we've got Vivian Lee playing yeah. Mary Treadwell, uh, Simone Signore as La Condesa. We have Lee Marvin as Tenny. That's the baseball player mm-hmm. guy. Uh, Oscar Werner as Doctor Schumann. Jose Ferrar as Reber. George Siegel as David. 
our favorite Michael Dunn yeah. as Carl Glocken. Oh yeah. Oh um, yeah. We watched this as a we did a watch party. We did a watch party. And the right away I was like, oh this guy's my favorite. This guy's the shit. This guy's my favorite. Uh, Alf Kielen, um, who was Freitag, he, he was the dude that I was like, this dude feels like a scars guard. Yes. That guy. Absolutely. Um and then Elizabeth Ashley as Jenny. And I want to mention also Jose Greco, who is a real professional dancer, the Jose Greco dance troupe, were featured in this film. Um, he plays Pepe. This is his first dramatic role ever. And then um, Heinz Ruman plays Lowenthal, uh, the Jewish merchant, who, mm-hmm. and it, Heinz Ruman is like a real big star in Germany at this time. And I just want to mention that although he plays a Jewish character, um, he himself is not Jewish, but he was very anti-Nazi and really wanted to have this role. Yeah, this is very, uh, very anti-fascism. Oh, yeah. Um, Because of all of the big stars in it, though, international and whatnot, because several of these people have um, Oscars. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot. This is a very dense, densely cast film. There's like three people with Oscars and four people who were nominated for Oscars or something. Mm -hmm. I didn't write down the details. It's often compared to Grand Hotel, which was a movie from the 30s that also had like this massive cast of people um, except mm. that was set in a hotel and not on a boat. It's like it's like as far as like I don't know. I don't think that's a fair comparison. T- tone and quality. Not that Grand Hotel isn't. This is good, so different. No, it's not though. I'm well, yeah. No, I, I would just say it's like it's like it, like if we were just going off of oh they both have stacked casts. It's like comparing. Uh, okay. It's like comparing Valentine's Day. Or He's just not that into you with like a Wes Anderson movie. It's like they both have big illustrious casts or, yeah. or big known casts. Or you know Amsterdam. You know? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Amsterdam. Yeah, you that's know. actually very. That's a good one. That's a, the most recent. Kind just of it's just just a menagerie, yeah. Right? And it's, I mean, it's like, what are you? In, what are we getting to at? an extent? Yeah. Did you say glass onion? Did I? Totally oh, glass onion. It? I mean, yeah. Or just I mean, that's, just because that's, that's, that's not like a a shitty stacked. I'm just saying. No, it, but, but that, it yeah, has that, a lot of strong performers, right? In an ensemble. Yeah, a lot of you know just established players yeah. too. Uh, but so it's this not, doesn't. I mean, it's just that's a very. It's a. They're just. I guess there weren't. There just weren't as many movies to compare to each other. At I the think time. that's what it is actually. I, guess. I think. Although uh, this came out in the sixties, though. It, this came out in nineteen sixty-five, but I do think there's something there that maybe we're more. We have a lot more contemporary examples of things that are f- structured this way right. and that operate this way, and I think perhaps like this was a bit more yeah. ahead of its time. In that yeah, the tone is is a lot more it's very mature, I would modern. say, yeah. and it's a lot more existential. You are watching like a a, a big play, oh, yeah. but there's just so many other characters. And though. that's you know, people complain about its runtime, and I do think it does go on a bit long. But there's so many yeah. people we have to address and take care of that it's kind of like, well, it had to be that long. Yeah, every every character has an arc. Again, it does. Yeah. It has more of that white lotus. Like if they, if you tried to condense what happens in a given season into to a, a two-hour movie. Yeah. That would feel very like be a lot. That would be a lot, and this lot. kind of feels that way. I, I, there's a little more breathing room, but it's, what you're saying is this needs to be adapted into another season of White Lotus. <laughs> I could see. Well, it's kind of like how they took Irma Vep and oh, turned yeah, that into that they adapted it into a, a series, which and I haven't I was, watched the series. And yet, I would, but well, based from movie to series, it's like oh, I could see that working. And I was so skeptical of that, but I got to say that like the series on HBO addresses every. Attempt every criticism that you yourself they put, have. They put all the thought into it. They get into it. it. They get into they all earn, of they it. They earn it. They earn they it. They earn it. And it's, it's not and just it's some... actually wonderful. It introduces new, exciting, fun characters. It's nice when it's intentional. Oh, it's you know? good. When you it's see so, that kind it, of intention. It's so self-aware in the best possible way. I like that. Um, I thought this film just like 
the cinematography is staggeringly good. Oh wow, it's it's so just good. Just a beautiful black and white oh, movie. So I see how they you know grand oh they're both black and white. But yeah. this is this That's, is again yeah. we're 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 well past that point yeah. in in cinema. Like there's been yeah. plenty of color films and um this yeah it's very much a choice. Yeah. Um, and it's trying to capture a very sort of specific yeah time. Oh, but yeah. it, I feel like you know you're gonna get annoyed when I say this. You know what I'm gonna say? I don't. I was gonna say it's a little bit of a Babylon esque. It's it's trying to capture that something that's me. of its time. Well, just I've been raving about Babylon way too much, okay. but like it's you your, know, and it's then it's like and half half of people are like, oh, you shouldn't trust her opinion. But it's the idea no, listen, of capturing we, a certain time, but then also there's this. Um, is there are just certain anachronisms to I with the intention of saying this is still this is still the world yes. that we live in. Oh. oh. Do you want some? Uh, I will definitely, at some point I will steal a fry. Oh my God. I'm going to get a couple. I will steal a fry. So, wait, are you, are you, so you just drop in, you were, take, were you going to take it back out? No, no. Those are oh, okay. Because I was like, oh, I should take it then and not wait for, no, you no, get no, it. No. You get Don't cut any of this out. Thanks. Oh, this is five guys. Mm-hmm. You know, I haven't gone in a while, the five guys. Okay, I took a few. I want to eat them right okay. away, but. I do. The, gonna, I need to eat a them couple. fries. I, I'll get. A, they have really good fries. I'll dude. get us some paper towels. Um, um, so okay, these grand hotel comparisons are lame. We've talked about that. Yeah, no, um, but the, the idea of there being—it's yes. very intentional that the look and style yeah. of this is what it is. It's yeah. not just that movies were black and white. Like this is Bingo. 1966, which is. Or 1965. After West Side Story, a lot of color films exist. In fact, like at this point, the Academy Awards. Very dynamic shots and stuff like that. Yeah, at this point, the Academy Awards has that category split between black and white and Mm. color. Mm -hmm. And of course, that split will eventually, that split will go away because it just won't be a thing that we distinguish anymore. Yeah. But we're still at that transition period. But you're right. The choice to go with black and white, it is a choice. And uh, they're trying to evoke. A feeling, I think, of like the '30s. No, but um, I always find that fascinating too, because way the way you have the to shoot and wrong. style for black and white is so Different. unique, right? Yeah. Like with *I Love Lucy*, I think about I like it. just the, the color, color and saturation. You have to style things in a very specific way for the colors to pop. It's about contrast, especially if you're, and then you're you're also trying to establish a a feel for different characters, and mm-hmm. you know when you see. Um, so it starts with it. What's her character's name? A uh, sick character name is La Condesa. La Condesa. So when she's getting and everybody else is, is the, all of the civilians are in kind of like these these beige like rattier clothes. She's wearing this black yeah debutante, yeah. very fur and, and, and fur, the jewels. Yeah, I and, believe I was like bad bitch alert. Yeah, it's very like a funeral chic because she's very severe, but like clear yeah. like a baddie. She's like I, at, I'm a bad girl. And at first, I thought everybody in the crowd was being hostile towards her but i went and rewatched it and i realized oh no they're they're cheering they're cheer- yeah there was i was i they were, i couldn't quite tell initially either yeah. I, was, I was kind of slow to start no, figuring out they, what because she was part of like situation was. the resistance you yeah. know yeah yeah i thought that was cool i liked too that yeah that was cool and it too in regards to just the yeah the film i think did a good job capturing that these are there's a the reason that like the the insidiousness of fascism happened like that like we get to see that no there was resistance there were already people that just like now we yeah. have like they're oh my God, per- yeah. very progressive very um you know left leaning very anti antifa or whatever you know there were there was that mentality back then and I love that 
that dinner conversation and we were watching we were like both like woof <laughs> oh yeah when yeah. Uh, the german when the nazis just going off about oh like, yeah. basically like in a flower in a fl- unsubtle but flowery way cleansing the world of these different yeah pe- the demographics and then they say oh well they'll they'll never they'll you know yeah no there's there's a there's a, ne- that'll never happen no there's a healthy skepticism on the part of you know this as it's really um the character uh that what Lowenthal, you know, mm. who I think epitomizes this, like, you know, I'm German. My father was German. My grandfather's German. Mm-hmm. I'm also Jewish. Like, but yeah, you know, him feeling like I don't, I should, I'm not worried because you know we're intelligent people. Well, it's scary. It's like, oh well, Jews have always they will continue to. What are they going to kill a million of us? And I'm like, oh, and it's like, yeah, and, like, no, they, like, they like it's, quite literally will. Yes, yeah, yeah. It's it is chilling, and I think also it's unsubtle with what um, it, what it's trying to deliver. Yeah, I think it's very unsubtle. But you know what? It got kind of panned for that at the time. I actually think it's kind of like good for now. Like, mm-hmm. this feels like, I don't want to be like, oh, it's so relevant for right now. Like, people no, always say that No, but that's the shit, point, because even then they were making the same, they were. The same point of yeah. these are issues that existed then yeah. and will, like, history repeats itself constantly. Repeat, because we, we, we don't, uh, yeah, we, we don't take certain threats seriously and no. then they creep up on you. I did think it was interesting that Carl uh, was like, uh, are you like in so yeah. many words he's like are you fucking nuts like, yeah. they're gonna get the, they're gonna kill everybody yeah like, um he seemed to really he was like reason yeah times. carl um is always played by michael dunn and it's worth noting that michael dunn has a form of dwarfism yeah. and you know his performance in this movie is fucking great and yeah, he's, he's and his character fantastic. his character is written with like subtlety and dignity and this, he is an actor who opened the door for other people with similar He's conditions. Fantastic. And yeah. he, but he also kind of like plays almost like a Greek chorus. I was thinking like a puck like thing, like fourth puck, wall breaking, a little bit of a puck know. character. Also, um, but a different flavor. It's not as it's not as cheeky. Yeah, but it is, not as cheeky. But it is aware, and it there is a sort of there's a little bit of a wink. A, a t- a attempt to. Like we're, we're, we can, if we don't laugh, we cry. I think it's a little more melancholic the humorous approach because yeah. he's, you know, he's. Mm-hmm. I mean, it. He's laughing, but it's not. It's not funny. Ha ha. No, what's and happening? The way he and you're right. He does participate in the the moments in between. He doesn't only exist at the beginning and the end. He but, exists in the story. Yeah, yeah. but um, it sort of reminded me of like the prince in Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. Who basically explains the whole? Oh, never was there a story of more woe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, as uh, someone who's who's I think and I think it's important the fact that he he has. He's a dwarf, and he's he's looking at the situation as yes. someone who's more fringe yeah. or not really taken into account oh, yeah. as much, he, or quite literally overlooked. Sorry, yeah, yeah. no. But like, I think I think that is also. But his sense of humor about important. it is remarkable. Like, um, yeah. you know, one of you know Lowenthal gets seated by himself because on the ship they seat <laughs> Jewish people separate and not at the captain's table, right. which is very weird. But but you know they seat this uh, Carl at the table as well. And, you know, there's this kind of conversation like, are you sure you're not Jewish? And it's like, you sort of look like, you know, my, my brother-in-law or something in Bremen. And he's just like, oh, that's always happening. People are always confusing me for someone else. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's very, it's it's witty. So witty. You know? And like, so um, he, like he, he takes... He's so uh, he's so much elevated above people um, and, and in their in their prejudices. Absolutely, and while it does come up, it's not something that is turned into this. They're, they're really no. it's not it's not overdone. I was, I was a little worried, like, oh, is something really traumatic going to happen to him? Is something and that'll really be a awful. sad focal. Po- no, yeah, th- yeah, like, no. 
none of that. No, they're, they're, he comes people, out. Of, people comes, could connect. I really yeah. liked the scene he, he had with with the with the baseball player. The, oh yeah, yeah. That that was a very explaining. Like I, no one knows what you know, not being able to hit a curve on the outside means. Yeah. Like you know, you can put it in perspective, buddy. Like, but it was very grounded. It was, it was not lovely. this feeling of he was like of, playing therapist to a lot of people on that boat. Absolutely, and that was a boat full of people who needed therapy. Yeah, he had this sort of sage esque, yeah. maybe not sage, but yeah, he was, yeah, was a little yeah. bit. There was definitely um, a lot. This is also a movie that's like uh, full of subtext because mm. at the very beginning, you know, there's this whole scene where the captain is like, oh, I don't, I'm going to miss you, doctor. This is your last voyage. And at the time I was yeah. like, oh, you know, like uh, they're more than just friends. But then I went on to read things later and they were like, no, there is like a queer subtext that was meant to be implied mm-hmm. there. And uh, the captain's tension yeah, with the doctor I, it was plays that vibe out of, later. Yeah, like the, that the, the language of how he he confesses his his feelings of camaraderie. It very it had that very children's hour. Like, oh yeah, I'm. This is what I'm really saying. Also, you know, you're the, the only person I've ever I've ever known. You know, yeah. when you when you sing, mm-hmm. you know, you single them out like that. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's very romantic language. So um, also, that captain had like the most insane chin dimple. Right, it was like in the shape of a T. It was very distracting. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it kind of pulls, that pulls me out of uh, Kirk Douglas movies sometimes. His chin. <laughs> yeah. I was like, remember watching Spartacus and yeah, like, totally. Grade you just get like, focused on that fucking chin. Yeah, just to be like, oh, boop. I love <laughs> just little, ding little, dong, little. ding dong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think oh. the I love um, whatever happened to Baby Jane. But one time I went to see it in the theater and I just couldn't stop looking at how big Victor Buono's chin was. Yeah. I'm like, I just I can't look at anything else. It's insane. Yeah. So, yeah. We're only human. We're only human. We're just normal men. I can't look away. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Can't see anything else. Um, every scene with Vivian Lee, Vivian Lee is amazing. Like, yeah. She has just got this, like, it's almost like if Blanche Dubois hadn't gone crazy yeah. and had, like, gotten a hold of herself or something and become just sort of a bit more bitter woman. Yeah. Although everybody describes her as bitter and old. I'm like, bitch is 42. Okay, she's which is not, crazy. They talk about how she is she's, not old. The the character is they play is, it like written she's, and she's she's she like, it like Miss Havisham. Yeah, you know? like she's it's gotta like, be like she's like in her sixties or I don't no. know. Like she's really been well, around. Well, that's the, like the, in Sunset Boulevard. Norman Desmond is fifty. Wow, it's like okay. The imp- it's so implied that she's been like I just always kind of because I actually still haven't watched Sunset Boulevard, but like, I always wrong. kind of assumed she was like 60s, 70s no, at least fifty. Funny. 50. That is funny. 50 years old. When they were making those jokes about the, the, uh-huh. the ages of them, I was like, watch this, like, old maid's going to be, like, 25. But, like, in, in that vein, though, I that's mean, very young. It, yeah, it's interesting. And But that said, this movie is held up by a lot of excellent older actors, and especially the yeah. female. I mean, uh, Simone is, um, it's between her and Vivian, it's like... Th- those two are just like carrying this movie away in in their bags, you know, Absolutely. like because they're they're just so compelling. It's to nice watch. to see uh, older. I say again, in, in, in with quotes, bunny in yeah. quotes, just because again, like also with actresses and the career death that yeah. that might have that that. I, it also, I mean, while they're around it, like the thirty, like thirties, like we are youth obsessed. I'm not denying that. However, like we do have quite a few more actresses who like aren't tossed out at like 38 or oh, whatever. Fa- yeah, you know, like, there's more opportunities now, more yeah, stories being told exactly. as well. But that said, I also think that those women who are, let's say, 38 may be expected to be as hot as if they were, you know, 28. I and mean, and yeah. that's the, that's where, you know, well, one one place where problems lie. But um, 
I thought aging all, happens. There was a whole story uh, or a moment where um, the ship's doctor, who I love, Oscar Werner, uh, who has those great Buddy Holly sun or not sunglasses, just glasses? But mm-hmm. there's like some moment where he's like talking about like, oh, just throw those kids overboard. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Oh, that was a great moment. And there's some very good like wry sense of like, oh yeah wry humor. It's not and like uh, and then the woman confesses that she's like, yeah, I made my brother drink lye when he that was, was a so kid. fucking. I just wanted oh to see God. if he would die. I just wanted to see if he would like. She's like, I didn't mean any harm. I just wanted to see if he would die. <laughs> You know, sociopath. I just, I mean, that, yeah, just very, um, very off the cuff. And then there's also just things that are, you know, pure cinema. There is a flamenco dance scene in here. Oh, I love, I well, love more than one. But I love, I love dance and show sequences oh, and movies. It's so good. So it's a lot of fun. Show in a show. It's like, oh yeah. And um, I know, unfortunately, I've seen Shot in the Dark like a million times, but they have a great, there's a great flamenco scene in that movie. Sure. And it makes me want to like, ooh, I need to like create a list of like the best flamenco scenes yeah. in cinema or something. It could be its own thing. It could be its own thing. Um, but yeah. Is there a podcast for that? Uh, is it probably? Oh, this is all movies with, with dance numbers. <laughs> like, I'm sure it'll be like dancing in the aisle or, you know, like some that. or like. I can't, <laughs> I can't come up with a good pun. Just a few more things that stood out to me. That line about, mm. what do they got against Jews? Like, back home, like, we don't have anything against them. And Vivian Lee yeah. like, well, maybe you were too busy lynching them. Oh, my God, <laughs> yeah. It was like, whoa. There is, uh, like, yeah, There's there's a trigger shit. trigger or content warning, too. Yeah. There, the N-word is used yeah. uh, as in, in, in a derogatory way by a white man. And yes. A uh, couple times in a given scene, and then there's all too in the caption. It, it's yeah, in the closed captioning. It's, it's, they definitely didn't say. Yeah, no, it said they put Negro, and it they, was like, which I feel uncomfortable. Saying. I know, even, I know. but then it was like, I just imagine the caption. Like, no, I'm not touching that. No, 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 no we're not doing <laughs> no. that. But you know what? I think what's great about that scene is that it's it's used, but it's clear that I mean the the tone changes. There's two people yeah. who are talking to him, and they immediately. Stiffen. Oh, he's no, he's clearly he's, like he's being painted he's, as yes. as. A, as a as a, a bigot racist uh, yes. all of that he is, exactly he is, i just want to make so, that clear oh like, absolutely it's he not, is, he is, it, it is not uh, it's not casually done yeah it's not done in a way where it's, yeah. it's being normalized no. he's supposed to it's it's that he it's is revealing character it's and revealing. if anything that's part of the the point of the movie is that oh, when when there is that behavior and you don't if you're passive are yeah. you not in fact allowing it to fester the idea of that, yeah, they they're like, oh, he's 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 not, he's crazy. It'll never no, this, you know. Yeah. Yeah, Nazism won't take over. That kind yeah. of. I feel like that those interactions when you. No, you know, I mean, and yet there's also there phrase, is that inaction. And then there's phrases that come up that I'm like, I've heard people say this, you know, like enough is enough. Yeah. You know, yeah. like in the whole. I mean, as, as much as Lowenthal is trying to be this model of tolerance, even he has like a limit, and it's just like it's ridiculous. Yeah. Like when are we gonna when are we gonna move past? And he points out that like prejudice happens everywhere. Yeah. You know, and he he lists a number of different examples, and he's not saying it with like. So you don't do anything. It's just like he has this kind of patience and he seems to believe like the world is getting better all the time. It's just an time. issue that is still relevant, again, yes. relevant today. Yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, I'm living, all, no. of the, all the politics. We don't need to. You can all the, draw your own connections. Yeah. You get it. You, there's um, the, the SNL bubble sketch, right? Where yeah. Like, oh, everything. Yeah. I thought we were doing good. And it's yeah. like, and then yeah. Trump gets elected. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, y'all are smart enough to connect the dots. You get it. Um 
So this movie is based on Catherine Ann Porter's book, the same name. She was an essayist mm. and short story writer. She didn't really like this adaptation. She felt like it was really trashy. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Um, I haven't read her book. It was adapted by Abby Mann. Um, and this is based, though, on, like, the book that Porter wrote. You know, she took a cruise from mm-hmm. Mexico to Germany in, like, 1931. And kind of spent, there, I think, the rest of her life maybe just, like, reflecting on it. And then eventually yeah. wrote this novel. Um, it's like uh, David Foster Wallace, a supposedly fun thing I'll never do again. Yeah. It's like a cruise, but it's, you know. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, there's something very, uh, uh, yeah, contemplative. Yeah, about yeah, there's something about boats, cruises, the like, transit, the water. Yeah, beware. Symbols. If you're Shelley Winters and you get on a boat with a man, he's gonna drown you. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh boy. It happens. Oh boy. I just spoiled another movie. Um but I didn't these say gays, which one. These gays are trying to kill They're me. Trying to murder. They're trying to murder me. Oh yeah. Good stuff. Um it was this movie was almost filmed on an actual boat, which would have been a nightmare, I think. Oh my god. Like yeah. for everyone involved. Fortunately. It's already so inch like they, there's they don't need they, it. They, already, they don't need we're it. Putting in so much work. You Ugh. can see the work in it. It would just make everybody miserable. Yeah. It would be horrible. Um but anyway, um they decided against it and they built a set at Columbia Pictures. The set was um four floors high and it stretched stretched across four sound stages. Mm-hmm. So it was massive. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, I mean, it looks like a boat, but it's, it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it, like the boat deck. We get it. It looks nice. Yeah, the, the second just... unit stuff, there was a unit that went and yeah. shot all that beautiful stuff for the backgrounds and the rear yeah. projections. So it's good. You know, we're, we're fine. But... I believed it, you know. Oh, like, yeah. I believe, it didn't distract I didn't... me that it was so obviously not on a boat. I just didn't right? give a shit about that. There That's not go. what this movie is about. Like, it, you know, it. The fact that they are together, I mean, I suppose in a modern sense, like, yeah, you could have married the idea of the isolation because, like, it's like a 25-day journey and, you know, there's two people who have to room together don't really want to, but they're Honestly, stuck. Honestly, there's, and- like, super, it, it, it's extremely triangle of sadness as well as this yeah. whole, like, the, just a sample, uh, just a sample of the population and... And, and the given interactions they have, yeah, you know, totally, and the power and the power dynamics, and what 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 people get away with, and what people accept, and yeah, you know, it's yeah, no, it not means, the same movie, and, and yeah, not yeah. to jump ahead, no, but if you can treat this movie, I yeah. mean, as maybe it's wrong to do this, but I feel like if you can look at it as no, this is a microcosm of like German society at this point yeah. in time, or or even broader the world, because there are some uh, Spanish laborers who are on the ship as well, and of course right. Spain was also undergoing transition and was facing fascism and so i mean there 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 are larger world global events and and people tied to other nations in the the mix here but um if you can kind of treat it like oh this is symbolic of of larger like factions attitudes people right then their interactions with each other become much more significant absolutely again just like the one one of the most obvious being like with the table with the nazi oh yeah yeah and and everybody's just kind of sitting there being like no yeah yeah no like no um terrible i was gonna say something now i just i forgot what it was i know i'd hate that don't you um the nazi uh yeah, there's a ship, ship, triangle, of sadness. Oh, I wanted to ask. So, I mean, you know, clear like spoilers or whatever. At mm-hmm. the end, you know, the, at the end, some people get off of the boat, including Michael Dunn, mm-hmm. um, and he says, well, "You may be asking, what does this all have to do with us, with you? Yeah, nothing. With me, nothing. What do you? I want to know what your. I have, I have my thoughts on what I, how uh-huh. I feel that means. But what do you think? That, I, what's your takeaway? Of my that? feeling was like. 
Oh, of course it isn't. It's just that, like, if they said anything else, it would be like, oh, this went, this got too preachy. Yeah. You know what I mean? I thought it was being, like, self-aware and cheeky about it. That's where what it's I mean. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. I think it's it, the I think idea it, of, like, it, it, obviously, yes. Like, oh, Obviously, no. we're giving you a message. Just a story. Just a story. <laughs> just a story. It's the idea of, like, no, we're not trying to preach. Yeah. You know? No, I think it was, I think it was a smart Thing. Yeah, because I, I I was kind of glad to see him again at the end because I'm like partially because I'm like okay the movie's over right you know, I know it's over now. Um, not if that. we shadows have offended, exactly, it's just a dream. Yeah, that's yeah. It's you're right. It's very puckish. You're absolutely right. But a little more, but you know, more, a little uh, darker and sadder, ominous, and much more ominous. Yeah, there's some. Yeah. There's, again, also cabaret vibes. You gotta watch. Cabaret. I know, I know. Big time cabaret Everyone, vibes, especially that ending is very has that that sort of. As I was reading about this movie, they literally were talking about how the ending of this is very similar to the. End that's, of it's a, it's fully in homage because okay. it has a lot of. Yeah. It's telling a very similar story in, in regards to yeah. the rise of Nazism. Well, and and how it and how it happens and how it goes from this very subtle like oh that guy's just a. Like in that case, oh, a, to oh shit, they got voted guys, in. Yeah, yeah, like oh, uh oh, oh wow, everybody, everybody's singing this anthem in here in the like, park. Whoa, oh yeah. god, like yeah, oh oh, hate crimes next. It's just like again, yeah. it starts like really. It's so true. And this director, yeah. we'll talk a little bit more about him, but he, uh, Stanley Kramer, was really known for making like um, message movies, and I don't mean that in a um, to essentialize it or, or yeah. as a derogatory way. It could be interpreted as such, but. A lot of his films grappled with topics that were very controversial that other studios wouldn't touch because right. he did a lot of independent producing. So this film talks about a lot of shit yeah. and doesn't hold back on just some basic things, even just basic normal health stuff. Like, when was your last period? You know, it's yeah. like, do you have to know? Yeah, I have to know. Like, yeah. I mean, it's like, I don't think I've ever heard, it, or not ever, but it's like, that's... It was so natural, normal. Yeah, I don't know, it, you know? it has a more modern tone to it. It Definitely. doesn't have. A, it has. I. You know, not Although, every movie's like this from the '30s, but no. there there tends to be some floral. Yeah, like, there's a little. There's a little flourish. Yeah, and and well, language. It's a totally language. different style of filmmaking. Exactly. You know? And what's great about Vivian Lee, right, is that she transitioned from an older, more classical style of acting. Yeah. I mean, again, we really we should mention that. Um, we watched this because of that great Be Kind Rewind video yeah. that talked about Vivian Lee and her struggle with mental health. And this is the last film that she made. And in between Streetcar and this film, she only made two others. She did a lot of theater, though. I was she like, did what, do a what lot of she, theater. Where, where, where'd she get to? But she was struggling yeah. with her mental health. She had bipolar disorder, but she couldn't speak yeah. about it publicly. Yet, oh, when, tricky. Yet she had a breakdown on the set of a film called Elephant Walk, and the images of her being carried out on a stretcher oh got published in the press. That's so sad. So she was not able to talk about it, but they could exploit it. To be to uh, to struggle to be so measured, <sighs> and then you that like it, out it, of it your control. Takes, it takes one yeah. like slip or one, yep. you yep. know, all of that pressure. Yeah. Just imploding. and Elizabeth Taylor would replace her in that role. So, mm-hmm. um, also, uh, what else was I going to say about her? Oh, just you know that. Um, yeah, this this is this was a really daring thing for her to do. Um, because she's playing somebody who, similar to Blanche Duvois in Streetcar, you know, is is somebody who I don't think she's quite as out of touch with reality. She's much more just like I think um, just jaded. A, it's and, very transparent to her. Like I, you see, I see a lot of yeah. overlap. And well, I just think that scene in the mirror, right? Like, right, amazing. It's very, it's it's uh, fourth wall breaking. Yeah. And what she's what she's talking about. It's, it's yeah, she's very connected to the character itself. I think. And again, forty two. 
not old, but the way that people are insulting her and calling her ridiculous and like what she's is, just very world weary. Yeah, I think Vivian, the actress, and this character, and, this character. and then those two coming together yeah. makes those moments really, really hit hard. So yeah, I mean, when you're watching this, act, I mean, there's a similar moment in Baby Jane when um, Betty Davis looks at herself in the mirror under a harsh light, and yeah. she kind of reacts to her own uh, ugliness, and she yeah. starts crying. I feel like this felt really similar in the way that. You know, she's she's repeating back the insults that she's been told, you know, and about like, oh, you, you know, you just you never grew up. And, and she starts putting on this insane kind of makeup. Um, it's very yeah. ex- well, not ins- exaggerated, I should say. It's a very exaggerated look. And then she's she's talking about, you know, you Pretty haven't seen from a play. Oh, yeah. And talking yeah. about like you haven't been young for a long time. And it's like, right. The, the, the blurring between art and reality is happening really strongly at that moment. And it's vibrating on this very chilling level that if if you watch this movie for no other reason, get to that scene, which yeah. is near the end. But get to that fucking scene, because it's also followed by the most incredible, like, let me beat up Lee Marvin with the heel of my, yeah. my high heel shoe. Oh, it was great. Amazing. So, yeah, she's, Love she's, 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 got she's also spunky. She's got yeah. range, man. Oh, and yeah. that, like, Charleston moment. Yeah. Which is, that moment. She can, she can, she can sick you. That moment was interesting because I was like, oh, is this film kind of, like, going into her mind a little bit in that mm-hmm. moment? Like, you know, because we hear this music that she hears I think Presumably. she's got. A, I, I I think there's just this. Yeah, exactly. Like we're in her head, and I think there's just that that. It's um, a neat moment. Repressed rage. Yeah. You know. Yeah. That comes from oh, yeah. being let down in life. Mm-hmm. You know, and then just oh, picking the wrong man. People, yeah. yeah, and and then and then snapping snapping at various men. Yeah. 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 And apparently, Vivian Lee was had a pretty similar relationship to a lot of the cast members mm. although by the end apparently her and lee marvin were pretty close as friends they mm. became a kind of unlikely friendship which i think is just That's darling nice. um but it, not everyone understood i think what she was going through yeah and she had a few allies on set but she but she had a, it was difficult shoot oh, for yeah. her as well It'd and be very alienating oh it's so difficult yeah. um this film though it got a ton of academy award nominations uh best picture best a- actor for oscar verner which isn't crazy when this is such a stacked cast, you mm-hmm. know, that they chose like him. Yeah, as, it's interesting. They saw they, him as the leading, you know, guy. That we, were, we just spent so much time talking about Vivian, but it was not her who got nominated. No. Yeah. No, no. because Best Actress was, uh, it was Simone. Signore. It was, I mean, also fantastic. Oh, she's great. But it's, Love her. I wonder too if she just yeah. had maybe somehow stood out more through through a more well, subtle performance like she was she the, was a the, little less and the politics of just like you know yeah. Vivian Lee hadn't well of course Simone had an Oscar too well yeah she had I think uh, yeah Simone both did Simone yeah. had a lot of accolades is very oh, yeah. she's much more yeah yeah present I suppose yeah um, filmography wise we also had a, a nomination for best supporting actor for Michael Dunn mm-hmm. which you know worthy the first person uh you know who's affected by dwarfism to, yeah to uh be nominated and get and again that shit opened up a lot of doors for people so you know respect um it was nominated for best adapted screenplay it was nominated and won best art direction and best costume for black and white they used to split that stuff up it was also nominated for best black and white cinematography yeah. but it did not win it is now, it's its own styling i had a quibble with that though because sure. the costuming is so anachronistic 
Oh, I mean, I was really uh, the most distracted by that one actress. I mean, one uh, of the young Jenny, Jenny, yeah, was the most distracting. But they all were dressed like it was the 60s. Everyone's hair was 60s. Even Vivian Lee, like, she really had, like... It's the Babylon of its time. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Honestly, there's a lot of parallels and there's a lot of characters in that, going through that. I was thinking about that. and, And to be honest, I was like, well, you know, it's a choice. And perhaps they decided that, like, we're not concerned with that detail. Uh-huh. So we're just going to kind of blend them and let the, let the you know, it was a dis- perhaps a costume designer's choice. You know, I don't want to knock yeah. it. But I do. Oh, I love, like, the look of that time in 30s. Yeah, so I feel you, like it was a missed a, opportunity. Like, oh, I, would, I would like for this to be period accurate. I'm like, I, I, wouldn't do, mind. I think, do, do you, does it? Do you have to have that many modern elements to to yeah. the word of the day for me is telegraph to like really signal that yeah this is like the yeah. the, the whole point is that now and then same same mm-hmm. same overlapped time is flat circle it is not everything nothing's changed like so yeah. no that's okay um no, it really does kind of feel like Babylon. Like there's um, that vibe. It's intentionally anachronistic yes. in certain ways, just like with Damien Chazelle insisting Margot not look, look like period. anyone. Yeah, yeah, like a, like a Ziggy Stardust vibe. But yeah. then she literally has that that like yeah. era about yeah. her, which yeah. can be. It it was. It, I admit, like I not everybody's on board. I un- unfortunately just seeing the image of her the. In that way, it was just kind of like, oh, the hair, it's just like... Yeah, I mean, it kind of... Why does she have 80s hair, you know? I think a lot of people just didn't know what to do with But it's unfortunate because that shouldn't invalidate all the other work, you know? And that's that's just that's marketing. Um, Do you have reviews you want to share with us? Oh, shit. No, no, take your time because I'm going to eat some fries. Okay, cool. Have some some fries while I... Ship of Fools, April Fools. This is what the day, a couple days after April Fools. We All did right. watch it on April Fools. We watched April Fools, Ship of Fools. So this has a very uh, mixed. Okay, it definitely has a lower. It is like a, it is Babylon's a fifty six percent Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Ship of Fools is a sixty four percent Rotten Tomatoes, but seventy seven percent audience score. Okay. So um, you could do worse. Very uh, back and forth, red tomato, tomato splat, tomato splat. Well, I like controversy. Yeah, there is. I think this, this, yeah, controversy, it, as they say in the controversy. <laughs> um, no whether, whether I agree or not, just no, like I, what they're, if they're I must they're admit, saying. I took a peek on Letterbox, and a lot of people were just complaining about how long it was. Yeah, and you, you feel the time, you feel the length of it. Babylon, you feel the length of that too. Richard Schickel of Life in 2019 wrote. The result in both book and movie is a ship without buoyancy and with an alarming tendency to wallow in heavy seas. So it seems like it's, it's people are coming at this about it's it's heavy handed, dense fare. It's mm. kind of what the what I'm picking up on. It's a lot of dudes too. I'm just, I'm almost all men. Mm. All all of these. Oh, good. These, well, I just oh you know okay let's see. No, it was uh, J- Judith Christ or Christ of the New York Herald Tribune in 2022 last year wrote, despite the aspirations of his title, Mr. Kramer has done little beyond floating Grand Hotel out to sea with a handful of brilliant performances to keep it above water. I just don't think that's a fair comparison. Yeah, so I, I read a couple next, so I want to see. Um, I did see one that made me laugh still, even though it was the same comparison because they were like bland hotel. <laughs> Bland Hotel. Yeah, I mean, you know. I mean, that's good. I'm not going to. That's a good Grand Hotel, you know, because that's a, definitely a broader movie. So let me see. I just, Grand Hotel, this this had me captivated. 
Grand Hotel is like just sort of a here's this person now here's this person yeah (laughs) it's a menagerie yeah i mean sometimes that's fun but i yeah no this is not my favorite letterboxd has a 3.3 uh rating average you gave it three and a half stars what did you say are you emotionally broken and horny we have a ship for you (laughs) white lotus vibes yeah um yeah so i'm seeing a lot of like two to three star reviews here yeah um uh, yeah, Cole Duffy's the first two, his first review at the top says the best part of the movie is when Vivian Lee beats the crap out of Lee Marvin with her high heel. True, um, true. Yeah, just everybody's like, yeah, Stan, Stan, Vivian Lee, Vivian Lee invented acting. Um, oh yeah, yeah, the two star bland hotel. Yeah, so it's, it's interesting seeing who's like actually writing. You know how I was like talking about three women. Everything was was paragraphs of flex, and then everyone this wanted is, to show how smart they were. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. is an interesting back yeah. and forth of like more chunky and more memey, and then like with with inner space is a lot more short, little memey, silly. Yeah, and like listen, I I'm not people like, sort of mirror the tone the of what they're is, taking like, in. Ship of Fools deserves more than like a pithy little nothing. You know, yeah, it was just more that literally everybody on that boat had trouble in their marriage yeah. or was I've, broken in some way i will I mean. say i re- to to that point there's a five star and heart review um from a guy named james on here i really like so the movie equivalent of quote i know writers who use subtext and they're all cowards i like that <laughs> i like that yeah that's funny again it's a very straight it's like it's kind of a, a maximalist take i mean i like melodrama maybe that's just a yeah, you know, I didn't. Again, it's lack of subtlety. Maybe just didn't. I'm like, man, I've seen some pretty unsubtle mm-hmm. shit in the last few years, so yeah. it doesn't feel as is, unsubtle. Is this like an Amsterdam kind of movie? I don't yeah. know. It's it, it. This is two stars from. I mean, a- Anna. Y- yep, I can confirm is indeed a ship of fools. If you want to watch almost two and a half hours of 1960 stars, pretend like they're on a 1930s ship liner with all the nuance of the 1960s talking back at the ni- 1930s. Then go right ahead. This film is too smug for its own good. I mean, it. They're not wrong they're about not like totally the era wrong. back and forth. They're not. And to- you're, e- you're either into it you're or either, you're not. Yeah, it yeah. and polarizing. Smug, it is maybe a touch smug. Yeah, at moments. Which is definitely how I felt about Amsterdam. Yeah, <laughs> same. I will say. Same, same. But it was also very, uh, that that had a very rosy ending, and I feel like this was a lot more. Um, that ending it, was bullshit. That was, well, just the idea of Robert De Niro's character, like, they're going to do, I'm going to speak out against, they're going to, they, they were about to try to assassinate. I, I don't know. No, now, it, we're going, even, now we're going off topic. Yeah. yeah. No, no, you can. No, no, no. I'm, I shouldn't start. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Some we'll other just, movies yeah. that were out. In the theater in 1965. So um, <laughs> I thought this was funny that there was two titles that had the word pussycat in it. What's new, pussycat? Mm-hmm. And faster, pussycat, kill, kill. Mm. So you had some choices. Uh, also, Shenandoah. The Beatles movie, Help, which I don't know if you've ever oh, seen. Oh, I could see this already in, in a pack of movies of that kind of ilk where people are just like, oh, this is... This is pretentious black and white drama. Pre- yeah. Yeah, this is bloated, yeah. bloated. We also have the movie The Hill, uh, How to Stuff a Wild Bikini. Oh, yeah. This is definitely not uh, in, in good company. And uh, this <laughs> was a friendly jo- company. No. And this was a Joan Crawford film that definitely looked like a like a horror scream, scream queen kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it was called I Saw What You Did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like that title. I saw what you did. 
I could, you know, I can see the other side of this too, like going into this movie and being like, yeah, we, you know, Nazi bad. Like, it, it is, I, I need, I need an escape. Yeah. It, no, it does. And it, it came out. What does this have to do with me? Like, <laughs> like literally. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. No, I mean, this came out in July. This is not a summer hot weather movie. Yeah, not at all. This should have come out like around Thanksgiving or something. Yeah. And I feel like. Not to be that way about it. I mean, I know people go see movies all year round, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, there's something about July that, like, you're supposed to make something like summer rental, you know, or yeah. or uh, inner space, you know, which also came out in the summer. Yeah, it's very, it is very much a summer movie. It, yeah, this movie is not. Um, <laughs> so in our director's chair, one of our best male directors, uh, Stanley Earl Kramer, who was born in New York, New York. Why did I say that? He was born in New York City to Jewish parents who uh, separated when he was very young. Uh, He was born September 29th, 1913. He passed away February 19th, 2001. His Mm. mother worked in the New York office of Paramount Pictures, and his grandparents would take care of him during the day. He also had an uncle who apparently worked for uh, Universal Pictures, but something in distribution, you know, Mm. like an office job. Um, He attended DeWitt. Clinton High School in the Bronx and graduated when he was 15 years old. Now, again, this is like in the days when I think you could do that. Like you you could accelerate through things faster. Like you could be skipped ahead. And sure. it was more common for people to graduate younger and then go to college younger. Yeah, um, that makes that I, I could see. I could see that. It was more it was way sure. more common even in our parents generation, but but definitely in his yeah. time. Matriculation um, was just it was more really accessible. It, yeah. Well, it was just um I don't know. I mean, the, the, I guess that was how you you yeah. customize shit as best you could. Oh, kids don't scratch. That's fine. Um, he enrolls after that at NYU, and he begins writing a weekly column for Medley newspapers. He graduates at 19 with a degree in business administration, and he was almost ready to go to law school. Mm. Um, now, at this point, it's 1933, but he's really gotten into writing, and that's okay. Sorry, and he I'm gets so a cold. It's all right. Okay. Uh, he's really into writing, and he gets paid internship to write for 20th Century Fox, and he moves to Hollywood. You remember those days? No. No. We never, we never I... had them. Yeah. <laughs> um, so through the Depression, he worked a lot of different jobs uh, on set. And I love these kinds of stories because all of this stuff, like, ends up connecting in their career later. Right. Um, you know, he moved furniture. You know, he was a film cutter, a writer, a researcher, associate producer. So that, ro- that, that scrappy, romanticized working your way up yeah. in, the, in, the, in the biz. But it is, like, good there for you to... You know, be ready when you're ready. Yeah. You know, and and yeah. getting that education and getting paid at the same time, it's like no, you 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 soak up a lot and you yeah. learn a lot about attitudes and mm-hmm. connections, all of it. It's all valuable, and it all served him well because he kind of understood also how films were constructed and would shoot kind of with the editing in mind. You know, mm-hmm. he wasn't so rigid or coming from a maybe a playwriting background or something where you know. Uh, just a different approach to cinema. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, in 1943, he gets drafted. <laughs> uh, however, he gets assigned to the Signal Corps in New York, which is basically like the photographic unit. And there mm. were a number of filmmakers like Frank Capra and a, a ton of other people who, through the war, were basically like, yeah, they were drafted. They went through basic training. They did all that. But their job was like their making films. Was, was a, yeah. yeah, it was a very specific. It was very specific. Yeah. Um, there was a really great book all about a number of directors who went through the war like that. Um, so anyway, gets out of that, 
post-war. I went I, to the war and I majored in film. You went to the major, war. Major, I majored major in, in film, film at the war. At the war, it was it was, it was good. Um, he comes back. There's not a lot of jobs in Hollywood post-war, uh, and so he starts an independent film company, which is pretty ballsy considering mm-hmm. like he hadn't really been in charge of anything (laughs) he's ambitious yeah um and it's called screenplays incorporated and i Mm -hmm. just think the simplicity of that is great um he partnered with a writer a publicist and a producer and brought also one friend from the army unit in the film production to help him work out and what they would do is rent unused production facilities at the fraction of the cost that you know studios would sort of demand or require um and they didn't have any studio control going on as well. And he just kind of was like, listen, those big studios are dinosaurs. They're not nimble enough to, like, make things and move mm. quickly enough. Um, but at this time, there was a lot of people. There were a lot of people thinking that way. Yeah. <laughs> there were a ton of production companies. Like The industry was, was shifting again. Exactly. And yeah. somebody said there were no fewer than 96 different little companies like that competing for yeah. funding from banks. And, and really, that's the issue, right? If you're an independent filmmaker, where does the money come from? Right. So, uh you know, it, but yeah, he's very much paying attention to what's going on. And to distinguish his company, he begins producing works on topics that big studios would never touch, like controversial shit. Um, and so I'm not going to list them all, but there are quite a few. Now, the first film that the production company makes is actually a flop, which I think that's a good lesson. Sometimes uh-huh. the first one doesn't work out. Don't get discouraged. Right. Like, keep going. Um, but the second film, Champion, in 1949, Kirk Douglas, at this point, who used to be a wrestler, had transitioned into acting. And this film was totally built around him. And it was a huge hit, and it cost almost no money to make. Uh, After that, he made Home of the Brave, which is about sort of uh, basically racism within the army, like a black recruit and how, you know, Mm -hmm. I fight too, like, you know, just issues of civil rights and things like that. And things like that. making some meaty fare. Yeah. High nutritional, high fiber content. He also produced, and these are all things he's producing. He's not directing these. Um, He produced The Men, which actually is technically Marlon Brando's debut. That's about... um, paraplegic veterans and brando actually went and spent oh, that's a lot it's a lot he went and spent time with people who were in the veterans hospital he spent time in a wheelchair he like practiced what that existence was like and the film is about him being in a wheelchair and trying to like you know come to grips with that yeah. and there's, there's all kinds of issues yeah. of humanity and masculinity anyway it's great um he also produced Cyrano de Bergerac, which uh, Jose Ferrer, who uh, is in this film as the awful, awful, like, Nazi sympathizer mm. guy, he won Best Actor Oscar for that performance. I could see that. Yeah. Uh, and then High Noon was the in 1952, um, and Columbia was started to get involved. They, like, were like, hey, your company should totally come make stuff for us. And, yeah, anyway. Um, I want to mention that at this point um, that uh, Stanley Kramer's producing partner and writer – Carl Foreman gets called before the House of Un-Americans Activity mm. Committee. And because he refuses to name names, he's blacklisted and forced to sell his share of this company back. And they have to scrub his name off a bunch of shit. Um, after <laughs> mm. Dark shit. Mm-hmm. Um, after this, he produces Death of a Salesman, The Sniper. It's funny that you brought up Death of a Salesman earlier, mm-hmm. right? Um, the Sniper member of the wedding, the wild one. And then none of those were really that successful. And then he makes the Kane mutiny, which apparently makes back all the money that was lost yeah. on those movies. And then at this point, he goes into directing. And I'm just going to name a few of those. Again, more social issue type films, like Not as a Stranger, The Defiant Ones, Inherit the Wind, Judgment at Nuremberg, 
guess who's coming to dinner? And it's a mad, 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 mad world. And they all deal in different issues of, mm-hmm. like racism and greed and fascism and evolution and censorship and a lot of a lot of different media Prolific. topics. Yeah, he yeah. did a lot. And again, a lot of that was as a producer, but he did also direct films. And in this one in particular, you know, I think he he was very excited mm-hmm. about assembling a cast of of great of greats together. You know, yeah. um, in fact, like we'll post it, of course. But <laughs> the trailer for this movie is like him, like kind of like just standing on it or sitting on the corner of a desk, like explaining. Interesting. Like the movie. <laughs> That's know. weird when those trailers, like old school trailers. I don't know like what the, the marketing decision was. I don't there, know. Yeah. Well, no, it's interesting, I should say. Not weird. Like, I, I'm. It's odd. It's just, it I'm like, so used to the same format of trailers it, for like yeah. the last 20 years. It feels like they haven't really changed. It like, would be fun if somebody were to mimic that and do something a little different. Something that's a little more uh, meta. Yeah. Almost. It's like how Orson Welles used to, like, at the beginning of movies, like, would narrate and introduce the cast. Right. Like, as if it was, like, a radio drama. I think they kind of did that with the menu and, like, the promotion materials for that. I was seeing a lot of, like, yeah. interview okay. uh, clips that yeah. were interspersed. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm thinking about, there's a lot of different, there's different ways to, you're right. I mean, I think there's not enough variety in trailers because, mm-hmm. oh, my God, they're all the same. Right. Uh, who's your best supporting player? Michael Dunn. Michael Dunn. Yeah. I know. Me too. Yeah. Would you watch this again? Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did watch it a second time. Oh, okay. But um, I think it's it's there's scenes that are very compelling. Oh, we didn't even talk about fucking George Siegel and what a fucking edgelord oh asshole he too is. Many characters. There's so many characters. Yeah. But he is like the the perfect asshole. Yeah, no, he sucks. He sucks Literally, big time. Little, every, everyone, everyone, everyone does the job. S- it's great. And, yeah. and there's a lot of great individual scenes, but it is a little bit of a, a, it's a... It's a slog. It's a little bit of a trek. Yeah. 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 A schlep. Schlep. Yeah. What's another word? A hike. You got to take a little hike with this one. Put on your... An shirt. odyssey. Yeah, you bring some water. Put Maybe put on some sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Take a hat. Don't forget the sweater. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. We really mean that. It's like insane that people listen. No, I'm not going to say That's that. That's cool. No, it's great. It's not insane. You're, it's, yeah. We appreciate you. Thank, people listen? I'm just saying people thank you. People are listening? They, yeah, they, oh, wow. Oh, hi. Yeah. Oh, oh what? I've been recording us for like 90-some episodes now. I didn't, guess you didn't know. Damn. Yeah. You can contact us. Uh, send us an email at a breath of fresh movie at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media at Fresh Movie Pod. 